Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. From WBEZ Chicago, this is Nerdette. I am Greta Johnson. And Nerdette is a show where we talk to your favorite or soon-to-be favorite people about how their passions drive what they do. Our guest this week is Illinois U.S. Senator Tammy Duckworth. A few things about the senator. She is a Democrat. She is 50 years old. And she is the first sitting U.S. senator to give birth to a child while in office. She did that earlier this year. Her daughter, Miley, was born in April. And she also has a daughter named Abigail, who's almost four. Senator Duckworth is also a veteran. She was a helicopter pilot with the Army National Guard, and she lost both of her legs and injured her right arm in Iraq in 2004. Since then, she has served as the Assistant Secretary of Veterans Affairs, gotten a Ph.D., served in the U.S. House of Representatives, and been elected to the Senate. Why did we want to talk to Senator Duckworth? She is currently one of only 23 women who serves on the United States Senate. And here's a fun fact, even though actually it is not a fun fact at all. In the entire history of the United States Senate, only 52 women have ever served as senators. So Senator Duckworth is obviously super tough. She's obviously very powerful. And we had a lot of questions for her. Senator, welcome to Nerdette. It's great to be here. So I am looking forward to talking to you about a great many things, including more serious matters. But first, sometimes on Nerdette, we like to talk to people about what they're obsessed with. And as we were researching you, we couldn't help but notice on your official Senate website that the biography there says you enjoy couponing in your free time. (laughs) I do. Tell me more. <laughs> well, you know, I, I went through a, a time of, of uh, pretty extreme poverty when I was younger. So I love a good bargain. I love a good uh, a flea market and uh, a Salvation Army store and all of that. And so I um, love to coupon. And in fact, I think my, my best haul so far was I once bought 64 jars of peanut butter um, uh, for 30 cents oh each. <laughs> How do you even fit 64 jars of peanut butter into your car? I hope you had a car. I, I, ha- I actually drive an F-150, so I had, oh, I had room. So it's in the... <laughs> You could have gotten a couple more. That's hilarious. Yeah. You know, I, I let me tell you, I, I went through a time when I was... Uh, in high school when, when I was a hungry kid and there were times when if it wasn't for school lunch or food, school breakfast, I, uh, I didn't, you know, I didn't eat because yeah. we didn't have money for dinner. And so don't ever come between me and a good coupon or me and a penny on the ground because I will stop and pick it up. I am not embarrassed. I'm not ashamed. That is money. Well, and peanut butter, that's a pretty calorie-dense thing to thing to buy, too. It that's is. That's very effective in terms of bang for your buck. It is. It is. Yeah, it's it's good for you. Okay, so on to more serious business. As I mentioned, you were the first sitting U.S. senator to give birth to a child while being in office. As a woman who hosts a podcast, as a woman in media, as a woman in the world, I'm really interested in 
the first women to do things. I think that's like a really fascinating barrier to break. But in this case, I think it's so fascinating because it's also like, I mean, giving birth, you know, I mean, obviously it's a huge yeah. life thing, but it's also fairly mundane, right? Like a great many women before you have given birth, a great many women after you will give birth. Yes. So how do you feel about achieving a milestone like that? Well, I, I, I say this and, and Dick Durbin, my, my, you know, our senior senator from Illinois, he always like rolls his eyes at me. It's like, who knew getting knocked up would be such a big deal? <laughs> and he's like, damn it, you can't say that. You're a senator now. I'm like... I'm serious, though. But here's the thing. I got celebrated for something that working families go through all the time. Right. And, and working right. moms struggle all the time. And I was celebrated like it was some great achievement. Um, and, and for me personally, it was because I struggled with infertility for 10 years. Right. But, but the fact of the matter is it's 2018. We should have been having more female senators so that this should have been an ordinary occurrence. But it isn't because we don't have a representative government. Our Senate and our House of Representatives, our, our halls of government, do not reflect the American people. And there are not enough women. There's only, you know, we're, we're 20% of the Senate. That's it. That's wrong. We're, 50, we're 51% of the population, yet 20% of those who make the laws that govern our lives. That reminds me of something Ruth Bader Ginsburg said. She came to town into Chicago earlier this year and someone asked her how many women would be enough to have on the Supreme Court. Like, when will she feel like there are enough female judges on the U.S. Supreme Court? And she said, oh, when there's nine. She's like, we've had nine men for a very long time. I think we should just turn those tables. I love her. I love her. I've got my I, I work out in the Senate and um, uh, in, in, in the House uh, gym and I wear my uh, notorious RBG T-shirt every time I go. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. This is just so many good fun facts already, Senator. I love it. So you had Miley at age 50. I and I wonder how you think about being an older mom has affected what you're like as a parent. I think I'm calmer than I would have been in my 20s. Um, you know, I, I, as I said, I struggled for infertility for 10 years. I, yeah. I basically, in the early part of my life, um, during the times when, when I was building my professional life in my 20s and 30s, like so many women, I was focused on my job and I put off my childbearing thinking, oh, I'll do it when I get into my mid to late 30s. And then I got sent to Iraq and I, um, you know, I went through all of that and all my recovery. And, mm -hmm. and, and then I struggled for a long time before I was finally able to um, have Abigail and now Miley. And so I think I'm just calmer and have more things in perspective. And, and things don't rattle me as much as they would have when I was um, much younger. Um, and, and not that uh, younger moms don't have joy in their lives and appreciate their babies, but she is so precious to me before the 10 plus mm -hmm. years of struggle to get these two wonderful children and I and like Miley you know I know she's my last I'm not going to have another baby at 52 or 51 right I, I know that physically this is you know I'm, maybe I'll adopt but um, but every second every minute is is a drop of pure bliss and joy and that I treasure that um, I don't think I would have been um, in this place uh, had I had her when I was 25 or 26. You hinted at this in your answer, but I want to talk about it a little more because I think it's really interesting. And that is, you talked about how you once had a gynecologist who said, we give up our fertility for our professions. Yes, I had my, uh, when I first went in and I was um, uh, 39 going on 40 and I said, you know, I, I, 
want to try to get pregnant. She goes, well, let's try for a year. And, 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 she, and she said, and, and, and a year, you know, 18 months later, we still hadn't conceived. And she said, well, we need to refer you for infertility treatment. And I said, really? And she said, yeah, this is what happens to professional women. We, we trade our, our fertility for our professions. And she said, it hap- you know, it's, it happens to all of us. There is an upside to that, though, it seems, which is something else you've talked about, which is the idea that now that you're older, you have a really established career. You are a boss, which means you can say, no, I really am taking time with my children now. Sorry, guys. Like, we're going to resume this tomorrow. I can, but I still feel guilty <laughs> about it. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I, I do feel guilty, you know, and I can't help it. I, I feel... Just like anyone, like, am I doing enough? And when I'm at work, I miss my children. And when I'm with my children, I I feel like I'm, you know, I have now this whole office and this team of people who work for me um, in my office and keep it running. Like, I'm letting them down. You know, I I took my... Uh, my time after Miley was born, I took I, I couldn't take official maternity leave, but I took those days off. I only came in every so often um, uh, to vote and the like. But I felt like, am I doing right by my office? So the 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 feeling of being torn between your profession and your home life is is still there, and um, it is even more acute for um, those folks who don't have the benefits of being the boss of their own office like I do. Absolutely. How do you navigate that guilt? Like, what do you tell yourself when you are at work later than you meant to be or when you can't get out of the house on time? You know, I've, I, I have learned the serenity, you know, the serenity prayer. I, I, I've learned to just try to just not let it drive me crazy. Um, but again, I'm in a position where I'm not going to lose my job. Right. You know, I have a, a good support network. And, and yet if you're a single mom and you're working minimum wage, you don't have those options. And, and that's just not right. So I guess I'm saying is I, I, I go through the same struggle, but um, I have the benefit of being the boss of my own office and, and, and my, you know, my job, at least for another four and a half years, is not in jeopardy <laughs> until I'm up for re-election. Um, but, but other moms don't have that luxury. Other moms' jobs could be on the line today if they don't get to work by 8 a.m. I think what the senator says about the serenity prayer is actually really good. Even if you're not like actually a praying person, I don't think you actually would have to direct this to the Lord for it to be effective. Just think about it, right? It says, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. That's kind of what it comes down to, right? Is like what's worth freaking out about and what's worth just kind of going with the flow about. So yeah, think about that Well. Serenity saying. We'll just call it a saying. Coming up after the break, we talk political polarization, but also a little more about coupons. Oh, I totally have a binder. You have a binder. I totally have a binder, and I have them sorted by like coupons for household, coupons for. Um, you know, for I'm sorry, I clapped my hands here. No, that's okay. I uh, can tell you're uh, excited. Coupons. I like it. <laughs> You're listening to Nerdette. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to the Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.
coupons for food, frozen foods, dairy products, uh, spices, baking, you know, all of them. And um, yeah, and then you get out the circulars that, that come every week and you keep an eye out for those. And as soon as you've got a good circular where they've got, you know, buy one, get one 50% off, then you go grab your coupon for that particular oh, item. And then you can double that up. And what? then if you go, if you happen to be near a store, unfortunately, the one near me doesn't do it, that doubles your coupon, then a 50 cent coupon is worth a dollar. And then your coupon might allow you to buy, you know, five jars of peanut butter off of the one coupon. So then you need multiple coupons. So, um, uh, yeah, I, I get a lot of circulars and coupons from my neighbors and stuff. Oh, my. So people know, like your friends know they're like, oh, we're going to save this for the center. Well, I don't do it as much. And I end up spending throwing away a lot of coupons lately because uh, I've not I'm, I've been a little bit busy. You're lately. busy. You've got a lot going on. That is so. Oh, I'm glad I asked you. That's delightful. So I think it's fair to say that you are serving in the Senate at a very polarized time in American politics. And, you know, you mentioned earlier the perspective that you've gotten over the course of your career, especially in the Army. I mean, you have literally been shot out of a helicopter in a war zone. Do you think that gives you a different perspective on what's happening on the Hill in terms of just like how contentious everything seems to be? It does. It it. it on the one hand, makes me more pugnacious when I need to be, because what are they going to do? Shoot at me? Been, been there, done that. Survived that. So go ahead, take your best shot. I'm, I'm not standing down um, on the one hand. Um, but on the other hand, you know, it, it, it makes me realize that nothing is completely life or death and that you can find ways to work together and find ways to find a solution and that you just have to keep working at it. Just like when I learned to walk again, it was one step at a time and I fell down a lot. Um, but you just have to keep working at it. And and um, so, you know, being here at this time, yes, it is very, very contentious. But on the other hand, um, you know, we've been able to pass some good legislation. Uh, um, some, you know, we had a spending bill that increased funding for families and for CHIP and, you know, uh, the Childhood Health Insurance Program um, program and, and all sorts of stuff. So I guess what I'm saying is I, I, I always carry a little bit of hope with me um, in everything that, that's happening, even the worst of times. So you're a boss of a whole bunch of people. Mm-hmm. And something I think about a lot is, you know, it's one thing to say that you prioritize making sure your staff takes the time they need to take care of themselves. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of us have been in situations where a boss will say that, but then still expect you to like respond to the email they send you at 11 (laughs) p.m. And it was actually as we were talking to one of your staffers about having you on Nerdette, she said, oh, this is something the senator is really good about making sure that she's enforcing, that everyone else takes the time they need as well. And I wonder, how do you make sure that you're like modeling that balance and, you know, making sure that people are taking the time they need? Well, I don't always model it very well, but <laughs> but I do um, make sure that uh, um, I hold my senior staff responsible. So there's, there's a couple of things. Um, one of them is that I actually give all of my staff uh, five days paid volunteer days. Oh, that's awesome. So that they can take five days every year to uh, paid to go do volunteer work. And I, the first couple of years when I was in the house, nobody would take it. Because they they don't they still didn't want to be away from work and they thought that people would think of it as as being you know not good volunteer. So I started doing volunteer time. Like I'm going to be at the food pantry. That's where I like to work. Oh yeah. Um, and and so then I I made all of my senior staff. I'm like I, look, 
you will take these volunteer days because until you take the volunteer days, the younger staff won't take them. Mm-hmm. And I want you at the staff meetings to talk about what you did on your volunteer days. And the reason I do five days is so that if they want to go overseas and volunteer or they want to go, you know, um, not necessarily overseas, but somewhere along, like if they want to go volunteer in Puerto Rico, for example, oh, they can wow. take a full week, right, and oh, be gone awesome. and, and, and have five days paid and have two days on either end. for uh-huh. their, But um, so they can actually do something like that. Um, and then uh, the best way, the best time that I've modeled this is really by taking the time after my baby was born yeah. um, to to be with my daughter and, and, and say, all right, you know, we're going to set up a system so that you can still talk to me, but I'm going to be home taking care of my, my, my child. Mm-hmm. And um, I also found when I first had Abigail that our leave policy was not what I wanted it to be. I was going to take the 12 weeks, but then I realized that my leave policy was not 12 weeks. I said, well, we're going to change it. Mm. So we did. So we offer now 12 paid full uh, weeks of uh, paid leave to take care of your family, Wow! whether it is for the birth, um, adoption, or fostering of oh, a child for wonderful. both men and, f- male, men and women in my office. And you also for you to go take care of a, a, a sick or ill family member. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely enforce that. And I think it's um, better for my office. And I've attracted some amazing talent. And I think I'd like to think it's um, also maybe why some of the staff have um, stayed, stayed um, you know, quite well. This turnover on the Hill is, is pretty high. Mm-hmm. But I have a pretty good um, rate of staff who stay for a while. And I th- hopefully that's because I, I help them make their work-life balance better. So do you think that, you know, one thing we talk about a lot is the idea of work-life balance. Is it a myth? Is it even possible? Are we just kidding ourselves even, like, trying to come up with a phrase for this? Do you think work-life balance is something that's attainable, or do you think it's just kind of a constant give and take? I think it's a constant give and take. Yeah. But I do think that those of us who are in supervisory roles have a um, responsibility to try to make it better for those uh, uh, whom we supervise. And so, yes, you got to deal with it for yourself, but you also have a responsibility to make sure that those who work for you um, have some of that as well. So, you know, I, I do send people home. I do say, don't even dare come in or, <laughs> you know, that sort of thing or, or um, you know, whatever it is, because... Um, uh, People don't perform at 100% when they're in the office if they're, right. if, if, if they're you know, if they're yep. worried about a sick child. So, mm-hmm. so stay home and, and, and be flexible. And I think that economically for our nation, uh, it makes sense. It makes more sense to have someone who can telecommute, who can, um, you know, take the 12 weeks and who has all of the, all that support so that they can come back to work than it is for me to have to retrain uh, a whole new worker because somebody has to quit because they just, you know, when, when you force people to eventually choose between their job and their families, they're going to have to choose their families. Senator Duckworth, thank you very much for taking the time. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. As I mentioned at the top of the show, there have only been 52 senators who were ladies in all of U.S. history. I mean, I I don't know. I figured it would be low, but I really didn't think it would be that low. I guess the bright side is on both sides of the aisle, actually. There is like a historic number of women coming up in this next election who are candidates. So that means all y'all out there better go vote. That's all I have to say about that.
The show is produced by myself, Greta Johnson, along with Justin Bull. Our co-creator is Trisha Bobita, and our executive producer is Brendan Banizak. Our intern is Sophie Lalonde. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, follow us on NPR One, or listen in the WBEZ app. It is also super extra amazingly helpful if you leave us some stars on Apple Podcasts. Many thanks to Town of Tambo for the review. Oh, it turns out Tambo is a town in central Queensland in Australia. The population is 345 people. Town of Tambo, if you are actually from the town of Tambo, will you please like tweet at us or something? Because that's crazy. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. We are at Nerdat Podcast. We also have a newsletter. It's got a lot of cool recommendations. You're going to love it. You can find it at wbez.org slash nerdsletter. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear. Do your homework. So as I've been telling people about doing this interview with Senator Duckworth and how we ended up talking about coupons, it has occurred to me that I cannot say coupons in a not Midwestern accent. It is the weirdest thing. It's just like, yeah, coupons. Don't you love coupons? I have nothing to do with coupons. This is the only way I can say this word. I don't know why. Do you think coupons are from the Midwest? Probably, right? They feel very Midwestern to me. Coupons, Costco, flags, milk. <laughs> Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.